1689 Saturday. <laughs> The tape has been run. <laughs> <laughs> 1689. That's how it's going, bro. How are you going? Yeah, good. I haven't been on one of these for a while. I think the last one I did was the Sabbath. Bro, do you even 1689? <laughs> <laughs> I 1689. Can you English? Uh, 1689, bro. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I so, Let's do the big one. Let's do the hinge upon which all religion turns. Oh, I like it. I think you might be talking about justification. That's the one. All right. What we got? Okay, so uh, that's chapter 11 of your confessions. Please turn there now. Yeah, go read that. It's All right, like... so let's, let's, let's tackle number one. There's probably a few things we ought to cover, mm-hmm. but uh, let's begin with the difference between imputed and infused righteousness. Okay, but so, just, just before you do that, I mean, yeah. let's just celebrate a little bit. You know, I've got some whiskey. I know you're just running dry over there. Maybe you got your peppermint tea or something. Peppermint but, um, tea, bro. I've drained it to the dregs. It was strong. <laughs> so, he got some strong peppermint tea. That's awesome. Um, but what we're celebrating is you finished Romans, bro. Yeah, that's right. I'm doing one more sermon. I finished my last exposition. I think it was 215, somewhere around there. I can't remember the number now. Oh. And uh, I'm going to do one last from 30,000 feet summary. It's, yeah, It's a big deal. It's a big deal. I just great. can't get over it. Like, you've got to celebrate yeah, was, these things. I was crying. I was emotional. <laughs> I was. I, I got up there and I tried to preach and I wept. I, like, I had to apologize for being so emotional. <laughs> You're joking. Are you serious? No, wow. I, I wanted to be there for that. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Like, you have to, like, the thing is, I'm turning 40 in, like, a few days. And, like, that's not even half as big a deal as finishing Genesis for me, you know? Yeah. It's I just, mean, it took me years. seven years, bro. I know. That's like a, it's like a whole thing. It's all part of your brain. <laughs> it's like a, it's like hard to explain that's to people. of my life. Yeah. I mean, like, dissertations and all that book writing nonsense have got nothing on, like, preaching through a whole book after seven years, you know. It's just, honestly, the, the, the crazy. It's cray-cray. Anyway, sweet. So with that in mind, you're all about justification. I mean, my goodness, you're a justification weapon at this point, you know. So go. Go get them. Let's tell right, us about so what's going on. Uh, 689, let's read the first paragraph. Chapter, uh, we're in chapter 11, paragraph 1. Mm-hmm. All right, so those whom God effectually calls, he also really justifies. So let's just give a quick definition of justifies, justification. What is it? Mm-hmm. What's, what's your definition of justification? Uh, well, I would say it's the forensic declaration that we are um, we're declared righteous. And, and what I mean by that is in right standing uh, yeah. before God. Uh, but I'm not in that in that saying that uh, anything in our actual nature has been changed. There's nothing relative. Are you saying simul justus et peccator? I am, yeah. (laughs) Simul justus? (laughs) Et peccator. Yeah. Simultaneously justified and a sinner. Um, That's exactly it. So by way of our, our sinful state is still there. Sin remains. 
yeah. we're still who we are. And, and and that's not to say that there aren't powerful workings of the spirit and sanctification and the reno, uh, renovative work that, that's going to happen. But um, you know, just in terms of this justification bracket, it's a it's a declaration. We're we're talking about a forensic, external to ourselves uh, thing that God puts over us and imputes upon us. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's exactly what the confession goes on to say. So it says he also freely justifies, and here's the negative, not by infusing righteousness into them, which mm-hmm. was the you, but mm-hmm. by pardoning their sins and by accounting. And accepting their persons as righteous, not for anything wrought in them or done by them, but for Christ's sake alone. Mm-hmm. So there's that's a beautiful. That uh, is great. So it, it's, it's, we need to see the, the the polarity between imputed versus infused. Why yeah, and also just before, I mean, that is important. The the Roman Catholic context they're in. I mean, they're yeah. gunning, they're hating on that Roman Catholic thing, which is you know fair enough. Definitely. Yeah. So uh, let me let me tell you my favorite illustration. And you've heard this one before, but maybe our listeners haven't. Mm-hmm. So, once upon a time, deep in the German countryside, there was a castle. And in this castle was a man called Martin Luther, <laughs> who walked up, into the win- up, walked up to the window one morning and looked out upon a peasant's field. And there beheld a steaming pile of dung. Mm-hmm. And he didn't think much of it, and he went away from the window. And the next day, he woke up, and it had snowed that evening. And he looked and he saw this big pile of snow covering a pile of dung. And he said to himself, there is a Christian. Mm-hmm. Because a Christian in and of himself is sinful. He's the pile of dung. Mm-hmm. But God has covered him with the righteousness of Christ. Yeah. Now, what I like to do is to give an, another side to the story. So that's you. If you've believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, God has credited, reckoned, he has imputed to you a righteousness, not your own. It is an alien righteousness. It comes from outside of yourself. It is not native to you. And it gets put upon you as a pile of dung. Mm-hmm. So you are Simul Eustace, white snow, mm-hmm. and Hecator, pile of dung. Mm-hmm. But then we also need to realize that Christ himself was also Simul Eustace et Peccator. Mm-hmm. Not in the same way. Mm, good point. Jesus yeah. is a perfect pile of snow. So in his nature, in and of himself, he is snow, not down. Mm-hmm. But when he was on the cross, our sins were nailed to the cross. He had done upon him. Mm-hmm. So he became sin. Isn't that what 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says? He, be, he who knew no sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Yeah. Yeah. And so we are done covered in snow. He was snow covered in our dung. Mm. And so he had unrighteousness credited, reckoned, and imputed to him and mm. received the verdict for that, which was death. Yeah. And we have been imputed with his righteousness and we receive the verdict, which is life. It's mm. a great way to think about it, just in terms of that exchange. I mean, like, because people do get caught up on that. And if you just, you just have to be very clear on what is. You know, what is the essence of the person? What's intrinsic to that being? Uh, and what is the judicial aspect? And, and you know, that, that analogy brings it across really well. Yeah, definitely. Mm. So let's, let's carry on reading that first paragraph. There's some good stuff in here as well. It says, not by imputing faith itself, the act of believing or any other evangelical obedience to them as their righteousness. Mm-hmm. That's a key thing, isn't it? That's so when we huge. say we're justified by faith, we're not saying faith is a work. Mm. Faith is, we're talking about the instrumentality of faith. Faith mm. is a receiving work. Um, I believe uh, it was, um, I've just been doing some reading on Benjamin Keach. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, he spoke of this, the, the necessity of faith as a connectional necessity. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. Connectional. <laughs> Did that have an <laughs> X in it? Probably. Not as a, not as a meritorious yeah. necessity. Right. So it's it's necessary by virtue of connecting us to Christ, but not by virtue of us meriting um, the reward. Yeah. So yeah, great. So necessary is instrument. So there's faith itself is not the work that justifies. Faith is the empty hands that receives the gifts of, of Christ's righteousness. Mm-hmm. Then the next thing that the paragraph says, and here's a, a wonderful nuance that that comes through reform theology, mm-hmm. and by imputing Christ's active obedience unto the law. Mm-hmm and passive obedience in his death for, for their whole and sole righteousness by faith. What do we mean by active obedience and passive obedience? Yeah, so you got the, the work that Jesus did for us and the things that he suffered for what we did wrong. So uh, was his suffering limited to the cross, Michael? No, I would say not, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that from the moment he was born in a manger, which is basically an animal feeding trough, you know, yeah. if you ever try to sleep in one of those, um, you know, that, that would constitute a suffering. And then just, just by virtue of him just being in, um, just in the world, you know, just, just being subjected to the curse at, in every holy, way. His holy being subjected to temptation. Yeah, just I mean, everything, I mean, absolutely everything would, would be um, actually, technically, if you think about it, part of the, the thing that he suffered, which he didn't have to, uh, yeah. but did, yeah. So although the word passive, uh, from which we get our word passion relating to the passion of Christ, um, ordinarily is restricted to the passion week or the work that Christ did on the cross, mm. we, we recognize the whole life is full of the passive obedience of Christ and, and by the same token, the active obedience. Mm. It's not limited to everything Jesus did up until the cross, but the, the act of submitting himself to the cross itself. Yeah, was great. Yeah. He, he gave himself and submitted himself to the will of the Father Yeah, wow. in that as well. Mm. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. And then just, um, you know, I know we, we just kind of went over this, but um, uh, the, the idea of uh, just, you know, faith itself not being the, the reason for our justification. And yet you have this beautiful um, analogy in Reformed theology with faith being the, uh, the, the pipe um, that receives the water. Have you ever heard that before? Yeah. The non-meritorious work. I love the way it this, you know, if you're thinking about meritorious uh, works, we're thinking about everything Jesus did in his act of obedience. But, um, you know, our receiving of that is an action of our, of our beings. Uh, it is something that we do. We do believe. And yet it's a, it's a non, it's precisely non-meritorious because we believe in everything that Christ does for us. And um, and so serves really as a as a pipe through which to allow the water of uh, of justification to flow. That's it. Faith yeah. is the empty hands with which we receive empty the hands. Right. You mentioned that earlier. Yeah. Exactly. And um, it's the whole uh, blessed are the poor in spirits. You know, a beggar doesn't come giving; he comes asking. Mm, and so that the poverty of spirit is just the humility is is what's uh, summed up by that that faith. Yeah, I have heard people struggle with. Uh, with, with what that means in that, you know, they want, they want to, um, they want to almost get rid of any action of the soul for fear that they might be bringing works into the equation. And, um, and, you know, so they don't want to lift the empty hand, so to speak. They don't, they don't they're even fearful of, of thinking in those terms. But I think what helped me just at least in, in, in describing what's going on there is, is that, you know, you really don't have to worry about 
um, action. In fact, you know, to maybe even state it more provocatively, you know, grace is never opposed to work. Even it's it's opposed it's opposed to merit. Um, yes. And so you, that that's very very helpful in that you know, you don't have to worry about like doing something, or, or you know, there's always going to be reason to to. Uh, or there's always going to be, you need to do stuff. You need to believe, you know, it's a, it's a real thing that you have to do, but it's just, you don't have to worry about that in any way being, you know, something that clouds merit. Um, and so maybe it's just helpful to add that in there at this point. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah that's very important. And then the, the, the last uh, section of this paragraph says, which faith they have not of themselves, it is a gift of God. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think we've discussed faith before, haven't we? Yeah, we have. Totally. Pretty sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think uh-huh. it's salvation or something that we discussed it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right. So uh, just paragraph two says a lot of the things we've, we've already said. It says mm-hmm. faith, thus re- receiving and resting on Christ at yep. his righteousness, That's great. is the alone instrument of justification. <laughs> Yet awesome. it is not alone in the person justified. Yeah. So we're saved by faith alone, but not by a faith that stands alone. That's the typical way of saying that. Mm-hmm. But is ever accompanied with all other saving graces and is no dead faith, but works by love. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, not solo fide, but sola fide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Good. that's. I love but, that. Uh, eternal justification. Oh. That's one of the things that the, uh, the confession talks about. Mm hmm. I'm just trying to find the paragraph now. Mm. Um, I think it's paragraph four. It says, God did from all eternity decree to justify all the elect. Mm -hmm. And Christ did in the fullness of time die for their sins and rise again for their justification. Nevertheless, they are not justified personally until the Holy Spirit in time does actually apply Christ to them. So you want to explain uh, what eternal justification is? I've got a good idea. Let's... um... Let's retroactively apply this um, this lesson on eternal justification to Thursday theology, which happened before this day. <laughs> All right. Okay. And, and uh, as we were saying before about eternal justification, please refer to that. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> this is going to mess with your mind, right? But you have, if you've got to this point, that means you've actually heard this already. But have you? which came first oh wow that's just too deep all right so see what jump to jump to the rest of it finish this up and then we'll we'll retroactively apply that yeah let's let's come to one of the conundrums on the doctrine of justification Mm -hmm. and that is the continuing forgiveness of sins for those who have been completely justified Mm. This is one. Of, I think this is one of the conversations we had years ago. Totally. You know, if if the justified person has their sins forgiven, past, present, and future, what's the point of repentance? We, yeah. Do we still need to ask for forgiveness of sins? And you know, when we say forgive us all our trespasses in the Lord's prayer, which is a daily prayer, mm-hmm. what sort of forgiveness are we receiving if we've already been fully forgiven? Mm, totally. Well, you know what, dude, we got to put that in the other bucket. That's that's totally works with the eternal justification thing. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so, like we said. Uh... <laughs> and so if you've got to this point, you already know the answers to this. But uh, uh, I think that would work really well. So stop. Stop. Let's stop right now. We're, All right, 
Okay, that was great. Justification, big doctrine, the hinge upon which it all turns. You got to get that straight there. 1689 is so super awesome when it comes to uh, spelling out anything to do with that doctrine. It's under attack at all times. And uh, the reality is now, I, I think more than ever, you've, you've just got to be so, so, so clear on that. And so just, just get get very, very intimate with that chapter. It's great. It's one of the areas in which the confession truly shines as well. Um, and so, yeah, uh, we'll leave it at that. I'm certain we'll come back and have many more talks about justification. So let's, it's, it's you know, hey, it's it's 16.89 Saturday. Tomorrow is church. Um, go and, uh, and and profess faith, you know, and, and go and, and receive and everything happy, we talk Happy Easter. Oh, true. Wow. See, I don't, I don't, like I'm not Roman Catholic, bro. Yeah, I don't do that. You don't do Lent. No. Don't Are you Roman Catholic if you do Lent? Uh, it's the <laughs> it's the Pope and pillar of popery, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it's the pillar of popery. Um, yeah, look, I've, uh, we didn't do a thing about Easter. You see, I need to get a little bit more in touch with my evangelical surroundings, right? Um, man, Saturday. Well. Thursday, we can retroactively apply Easter to Thursday. Okay. Yes, All right. Yes. We've got an interesting retroaction going on on Thursday. Join us backwards in time for Thursday. Or if you have already gone through Thursday, uh, wow, wasn't this a trippy experience for you? <laughs> 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 All right. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. Yes, man.